0: Standing at a cemetery in Troy is a sculpture of a polar bear. It's made out of white marble and is part of a monument that stands about eight feet tall. Larry Chase walks around the statue, drawing attention to the flat headstones on the ground. And the platoon commander's right over here. His name
1: is Harry Mead. He sweeps away leaves with his foot. He wanted to be with his people, and he
0: is as close as you can get. Under each headstone lies a soldier. The polar bear statue is part of a war memorial.
2: The monument was dedicated on Memorial Day, May 30th, 1930.
0: That's Mike Grobel. He's president of the Polar Bear Memorial
2: Association. Uh, it was a ceremony attended by allegedly 10,000 people, the governor spoke. Larry Chase is also a member of the association.
0: His title is Guardian of the Bear. I've gotten that
1: title because I'm, I live so close and I'm out here quite a bit. And uh, if there's anything going on over here, I'll, I'll
0: find out about it. And it doesn't take him long to notice something's different.
1: The army flag is missing. And they, it looks like they have it upside down. You don't want to meet the rope, because where they put it, unless the one clip is broken. I
0: While Chase investigates, Mike Grobel points to a large sign next to the flagpole. I wonder where the
2: flag is. This uh, site is, has a Michigan historical marker, state of Michigan historical marker, that was dedicated in 1988.
0: You see, the Michigan polar bears have a unique place in American history. Summer 1918, World War I rages across Europe. In the east, the Bolshevik party has come to power in Russia. They've signed a peace treaty with Germany, effectively ending the war on the Eastern Front. Grobel says that spelled trouble for the Allied forces.
2: The British and French knew that the Germans now would start moving large numbers of divisions from the Eastern Front to the Western Front. So they wanted to intervene, if you will.
0: Enter a group of fresh trainees from Camp Custer in Michigan. They arrived in Liverpool, ready to fight on the Western Front. But there was a change of plans. Grobel says about 5,000 troops, mostly from the 339th Infantry Regiment, are retrained and sent to engage in the
2: Russian Civil War. By doing so, they could put pressure on Germany to keep more divisions at the Eastern Front.
0: They arrived in September and split into two groups, those on the North Russia Expeditionary Force, would become known as the Polar Bears. Two months later, on November 11th, 1918, World War I officially ended. But while other U.S. troops came home, the Polar Bears were still fighting. Grobel says his grandfather, Clement Grobel, was one of the Polar Bears.
2: We have some of my grandfather's letters and uh, his letters were censored, so he couldn't talk too much about what was actually going on.
0: Grobel says families knew something wasn't right, New Year's Day came and went, still no word of the polar bears' return. In February 1919, the family staged rallies in Grand Rapids and Detroit, petitioning the U.S. government to bring the last remaining U.S. troops home.
2: That did have an effect. It also generated a lot of interest in the Senate.
0: Politicians in Washington began lobbying for the soldiers' return. And after about two weeks, an announcement was made. The polar bears would come home at the nearest convenience.
2: They had to be vague on it because the reality was they couldn't get out until the rivers thawed. In that northern latitudes, 130 miles south of the Arctic Circle, the rivers don't break up till mid-May. That
0: meant the polar bears would have to continue the war, and ultimately, the soldiers would spend another four months in combat. They returned home in July 1919 and received a hero's welcome. A parade in their honor was held on Belle Isle, but after that, Grobel says the polar bears faded from public memory.
2: When the men came back home, this quickly got uh, swept under the rug.
0: No one talked
2: about it. Because it was a military intervention, and uh, we left before things were decided one way or the other, and even if we had stayed, it would have been a loss.
0: That brings us back to the polar bear statue and its guardian, Larry Chase.
1: We call... The statue Boris for
0: Boris and Natasha from Bowinkle. <laughs> but he is a Boris. Every year on Boris's birthday, the Polar Bear Memorial Association holds a ceremony to remember the vets of the North Russia campaign.
1: Before Memorial Day, we clean him up and brush his teeth and get him all ready to go.
0: When Boris was dedicated on Memorial Day 1930, several polar bear soldiers were reinterred on the grounds. Grobel says it had taken a decade to retrieve their bodies from Russia. The effort required a covert operation. We
2: did not have diplomatic relations with Russia, so they had to to do it uh, undercover. The men that went up dressed like peasants, some of them were former 339th and uh, They were able to get 86 bodies back.
0: To some, the Michigan soldiers who fought in North Russia may represent a forgotten chapter at the end of World War I, but the story of the polar bears also begins another saga in American history. It was the first conflict between the United States and the Soviet Union. I'm Alex McLennan, WDET News.